apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of homeownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Home Mortgage, and equal housing lender. American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Annie Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in on the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I'm Steve Risser along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And good news for the Yankees yesterday as them and Anthony Rizzo agreed on a two-year, $34 million deal. Big, big news for the Yankees, getting him back on this team. I mean, this this was big for them. And this could impact, definitely impact them signing Aaron Judge. But Anthony Rizzo over the last, uh, I'd say over the last couple, since they, since they traded for him in uh, uh, July of 2021, I think he's been their third best player behind Judge and Stanton. Yeah, he's been good. You know, um, Korean home runs last year. Um, usually has a pretty good on base percentage. I know the average wasn't great this year, but yeah, he's been an important part. He seems like he's a leader in that locker room. Him and Judge seem pretty close, so I think you know could be a good good thing. You know, for having Judge come back, kind of bringing back Anthony Rizzo. So yeah, I like this move and um, glad he's glad he's um you know, coming back because he's one of their better hitters too in the postseason. So, you know, good lefty back, you know, his swing fits well for that ballpark. So definitely good, you know, definitely glad he's going to be back in Pinterest next year. And you made a good point about being, being one of their better hitters in the postseason. He absolutely is. He had that huge home run in game one, a game that I was at in the postseason. And he hit, he almost hit 300 in the postseason. He gets it with two strikes. He's not trying to hit a home run. He's trying to get a base hit. He gets it. He gets how you need to hit in the postseason, which a lot of Yankees do not get at all. He clearly gets it. Oh, yeah, he absolutely does. You know, 
that yeah, as you mentioned, not too many guys, other Yankees do that on this team. Um, yeah, there's a you know, there's a lot of teams that you know that's a new philosophy of baseball nowadays. Um, but yeah, you know, just being a leader club, obviously, he's been clutch in the postseason. He's won that World Series too with the Cubs, so he knows what it takes to um, you know, get there. So yeah, you know, one of, he's he's had some big at bats for the Yankees, and definitely a guy that um, you know. I love having on this team and he's been an excellent he's a great defensive first baseman as well now the big question is what impact does this have on Aaron Judge now that Rizzo has signed does Rizzo know that you know they're close to getting a deal done with Judge and that's why he signed here do you think this has any impact with Aaron Judge I I, th- I think it does I think it does too I think in a good I think it's a good thing because I you know because I think him and Judge are really close I think it kind of shows Judge that we're still trying you know that we're going to be competitive. We're trying to go out there one world series. So yeah, I, I think it's a good signing here. Um, Hey, how Brent, how, how Steinbrenner said yesterday too, like, you know, with judge, I don't really have like a, a payroll. So it sounds like they'll, they'll, you know, they'll pay judge, whatever, you know, his highest bid or whatever, or whatever he wants. So it, I don't think, you know, given Andy Rizzo, your $17 million is going to affect, you know, Aaron Judge the Yankees sounds that you know it sounds like Steinbrenner, you know, will uh will give Judge, you know, it sounds like they're not gonna be outbid for Judge, which you know it's great. Yeah, Steinbrenner said he wants Judge to be a Yankee for life. And let me tell you one thing, Judge better be a Yankee. Yeah, you don't bring back Aaron Boone and you and then and then it looks like they're gonna bring up Brian Cashman. You don't bring back Boone and Cashman and and not sign Judge. No, you don't. That that you know that that will absolutely destroy this fan base. That will that will start a riot outside Yankee Stadium within the yeah. hours. Um, they don't resign him, so yeah, you know, bringing those guys back, you gotta assume judges, you know, they they find a way to sign Judge. Yeah, you know, maybe the Giants and um, the Giants and Dodgers kind of, you know, um, higher, you know, make that that you know, make that cost go higher for him. But I, I think they'll find a way to keep him. I think it's a good thing bringing back Rizzo. I, I think that only helps the Yankees in their case of. Um, Showing Judge that, you know, we're, we're always going to be a contender. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So now we'll get to some of the awards, and we'll start with Rookie of the Year. And this was an obvious one in the American League. Julio Rodriguez hit 28 home runs, 75 RBIs. He could hit for power. He, he, had, that, he had that great catch in game three of the, uh, of the, of the ALDS. I mean, this is, this, is, this is going to be the Mariners' best player for a while. Well-deserved, he's the Rookie of the Year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's no question about it. Um, big part, he's going to be a future superstar, you know, was a big part of helping Seattle get off the map this year, get him back in the playoffs. Disappointing finish, but you know, I think it's only the future for um Seattle. I think they'll find a way to get better. I know they already got Teoscar Hernandez from Toronto today to improve that outfield. So, you know, if Seattle's gonna be, you know, seems like they're gonna be a contender here for a while. Seems like they got a really nice core of guys here and Julio Rodriguez is gonna be in the middle of that for the next, you know, 13, 14 years. You know, it's great to resign him already. Absolutely. That was definitely a big pickup going out and getting Teoscar Hernandez today. Move on to the National League Rookie of the Year. Michael Harris, pretty obvious, too. Hit almost 300 for the Braves. Had a really, really good year for them playing center field. Uh, it's well-deserved for him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, came up from double-A, you know, really good in the outfield. Um, I know the questions was, like, the bat, but, you know, he swung the bat really well this year. Um, you know, the Braves have built a really good farm system, and guys can come up whenever, and, and they've com- contributed. And that's been no different with Michael Harris. Um, definitely well well-deserved. You know, and he's going to be a force, you know, in that outfield for years to come for Atlanta. Absolutely, absolutely. AL Manager of the Year, Terry Francona. I think that I think that's a pretty obvious choice. Team wasn't expected to be great. 
came one game away from getting to the ALCS. So, I mean, Francona's proving why he is a hall, clearly a Hall of Famer and one of the best managers in the game. And uh, he, 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 he continues to prove it year in and year out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's done a great job wherever he's gone, you know, Boston too. And um, yeah, he did a phenomenal job with this team. I figured he was going to get it, but I wouldn't have been surprised if it's Brandon Hyde. He did a wonderful job. With yeah, Baltimore. That's, that's a good point. Brandon Hyde's a good point too. Yeah. Brandon Hyde did a great job as well. Yeah. Cause they, they don't they get the playoffs like Frank Kona did, but yeah, they, they out exceeded their expectations this year. But yeah, Frank Kona's done a wonderful job. It was, it's finally great to see him healthy this year too. I know he's been kind of in and out of the dugout the last couple of years. But yeah, you know, um, he's got it's a really young um, Cleveland team. Cleveland team, and again, he's he's the type of guy. He's already gotten the World Series there once, and with all this young core, with Jose Ramirez coming back as well, wouldn't it be shocked the next couple of years that Cleveland team does find a way back to World Series. This is probably the one award that's not totally obvious: is Buck Sherwalter winning Manager of the Year with the Mets? Yes, the Mets had a great year; they won over 100 games, but they were not good in the playoffs. And I think the manager that actually beat him in the playoffs. Very easily could have won manager of the year in Bob Melvin. And if Rob Thompson was the manager the entire year with the mm. Phillies, he probably could have won manager of the year. Yeah, they both could have, uh, or all three of them could have. But yeah, Buck, you know, you could see he changed that culture this year with the Mets, you know, and I think that's probably a big part why. But you could see the same thing with Bob Melvin and what he did with the Padres. Um, because he's you know, he's been phenomenal, you know, when Melvin was there in um Oakland. But yeah, you know, uh, Buck did a phenomenal job. Yeah, I, you could have gone either. Uh, Bob Melvin or, or um, Buck Walter, but yeah, Buck, Buck um, did a phenomenal job with this Mets team. Again, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens this off season. I know they got some, you know, Degrom's a big item this off season, but um, yeah, good year for for Buck and that Mets team. You could see that he he did, you know, change things around. That team was in first place pretty much to the end. Now we got the AL and NL Cy Youngs. They haven't announced them yet, but we'll make our predictions for both awards. And I think the AL is pretty obvious in the AL. I'm definitely going Verlander, 18 and four, had an ERA under two, still proving at his age he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. And let me tell you, if a team can get uh, whoever signs him, they have probably one. Of, they probably have the best pitcher in the game, even at his age. And then in the NL, I'm going to go with Sandy Alcantara. Uh, at a, his ERA 2.28, highest ERA in the National League, 14 and nine. For a Marlins lineup that had guys in and out of the lineup and a bunch of injuries. So I'll go Verlander in the AL and Alcantara in the NL. Yeah, I agree with both of those. Um, yeah, Verlander, unbelievable year. Yeah, yeah, for Agent, you know, I know the Yankees offered him 25 million last year as well. The Astro did, you know, offer him the same thing. He decided to go back to Houston. But yeah, coming off the injury, he was phenomenal. He had an unbelievable year. He's still one of the best pitchers out there. Um, uh, you know, again, big game, you know, you know, he he's he was unbelievable. He well, his final start of the year, he almost had a no hitter through six or whatever that was. You know, he or six seven thing against the Phillies. So, yeah, he's phenomenal all year to have an under two ERA in this day and age is pretty impressive all year. And then yeah, Alcatraro was unbelievable. That rotation they have is so good. They just don't have the lineup that you know can help them out. And he the problem is they and the problem is they can't pay to those guys either. No, they don't. Yeah, the it's unfortunate that yeah, they don't have the payroll. They, well, they don't spend six, at all. Six complete games this year. Yeah, six. Wow. which is, you know, something that's wild nowadays. Um, you know, but Don Madden let him go the distance at times. But, yeah, you know, he's, he was phenomenal this year. I, I think he's going to get it. I know with four, the 14 on record, but I you can't really put a ton on him just to strike out the rate, you know, um, over 200 strikeouts, only 50 walks. So he had an unbelievable year with the Marlins. Absolutely. Abs he absolutely did. Now we go to AL and NL MVP. 
And in the NL, I think it was close between him and Pete Alonzo, but I'm going to give it to Paul Goldschmidt. Hit 35 home runs, 115 RBIs, and he hit over 300. The difference between him and Alonzo was I think Goldschmidt had a better batting average. Alonzo hit 271, even though he had more home runs and RBIs. Alonzo had as many RBIs as Judge, 131. But I'm going to go with Paul Goldschmidt in the NL and in the AL. If you're not voting for this guy, you have no idea what you're talking about. If you're a BBWA writer, you're not voting for this guy, you should never have a vote for an MVP again. It is obvious. This should be unanimous. This is the best season I have. One of the best baseball seasons, one of the best individual seasons I've seen in my lifetime. Aaron Judge, 62 home runs, 131 RBIs, and hits over 300. There is no way anybody else should come close to winning the MVP than Aaron Judge. It has got to be Aaron Judge in the American League. Yeah, completely agree. It's Judge phenomenal season. Yeah, had one of the best years that you know we'll, we'll see. Um, what he meant to that lineup, well, you know, hitting over three hundred, he was he was phenomenal to be that locked in all year. is is really impressive nowadays, and um, it just again he 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 was a huge part why the Yankees you know found a way to to win the division this year and, and kind of ex- exceed expectations in the regular season, I guess. Um, but yeah, they, I, again, Otani's great, but there should just be his own award just for him because he, he's such a special player. But yeah, you know, Judge deserves the MVP. There's no doubt about it. And yeah, I went with Goldsmith too. I was close between him, Alonzo, and Machado. I know Goldsmith cooled off a little bit there in September because his average at one point was close to 330 for most of the year, I believe. Um, but yeah, uh, him and um, Arnado, they won a division um, with his average too, just. Still hitting over right around 315. He had an unbelievable season. Um, he's a great defensive first baseman as well. So, yeah, I, I did um, go with Paul Goldman, too. And, again, winning the division, too, I know. Wasn't the greatest division as, as well, but I do think that counts for something um, as well. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And go back to Judge. Yeah, Otani is special. I get it. Aaron Judge was the best player on a team that got to the ALCS. How far did Otani take his team? Not that far at all. I know he's a special player, but he didn't take his team that far at all. That's why Aaron Judge has got to be the unanimous MVP. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Angels, they, they got out to a ridiculous start, and then they just, they, you know, ended up being, uh, where like eight games under, eight, nine games under 500. So, yeah, you know, again, he, him and Trout are two great baseball players, but yeah, they really haven't gotten their team anywhere. Um, you know, and Judge this regular season, again, I, they're, the Yankees are a 500 team without Aaron Judge, I believe, or right around there. You know, so you know, without Aaron Judge in that lineup, it's a totally different Yankee team. And yeah, he again to hit over 60 home runs in a season is something that who knows, you know, that that's something that we haven't seen in a while, and it's probably not. It's probably something we're not going to see again for a while. We're not going to see that for years. We're not going to see a guy hit over 60 home runs for years. And and if and 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 if I see Shohei Otani as the MVP. That's the biggest injustice I've ever seen. It would be the biggest injustice I've ever seen in sports. They cannot do that. No, and I don't think they will. I think there's enough New York writers out there that will go for him. Will will vote for Judge. I, I do think pretty comfortably Judge is going to win this thing. Like I, I, I could see why you're, you know, Otani could win it. I, I, but I could see the writers, yeah, going with Otani. But I don't think they're, the, I don't think they're dumb enough because I, I think there would be a lot of heat from just. A lot of sports fans, if Otani gets it over Judge, uh, that you know, I know, I know, record sometimes doesn't matter for the ML, ML 
MVP, but um, it, it's it, it's far and away it has to be Aaron Judge. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So the the third CFP rankings came out yesterday, and we got a big game in LA. But before we talk about that, we're gonna hear from our friends at JPEG Financial and Shamrock Home Inspections. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person doing all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go home and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. All righty, the CFP rankings came out last night for the third time. There's really no surprise in the rankings at all this time. I mean, with uh, Georgia being number one, Ohio State being number two, Michigan number three, TCU four, Tennessee five, there was no change there. Due to Oregon losing LSU, did move up to six. Uh, USC did move up to seven. Bama is still eight, but they're out of it. They're, uh, with, with them not being able to win the SEC West, there's no shot. And then Clemson's nine. They need total chaos to happen for them to get in, and then Utah 10. So uh, what were your thoughts on the rankings? Really no change from last week. No, there wasn't. The only thing that they really told us that at North Carolina number 13, they're pretty much telling us, even if they somehow run the table, you know, and win the ACC, that they got no shot at making the college football playoff. That's kind of – that was my big thing there um, with UNC sitting there at 13 behind, you know, two lost Ole Miss, two lost Oregon, two lost Penn State, Utah, you know, and then Alabama. So – that was the one thing that really kind of stood out to me, I guess, is, is North Carolina really does not have much of a chance unless I don't even know if chaos would help them out. No, I think no. they, they wouldn't even they wouldn't even make it over two loss teams. No, because of that no, that Notre Dame loss this game was really gonna hurt them. Even though Notre Dame's playing yeah. better, that loss definitely gonna hurt them. Yeah, it is. You know, um it, it, it it's funny because the two losses, you know, North Carolina and, and uh Clemson both lost to Notre Dame. Yeah, like that will kill the AC. That's gonna kill the ACC. Exactly. Yep, yep. The team that was in the ACC two years ago. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, they're unofficial member, I guess you want. Yeah, yep. football member, I guess. Um, yep. 
Yeah. Um, so I think that was really the one thing it told me. And they don't really like UCLA very well. Uh, you know, they don't, no. they're not, they haven't, they, they were not big fans of UCLA as well. No, not at all. No, I, I, I get it, but you know, they got two losses now anyways, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, that, that was a big thing to me was, was kind of North Carolina. So do you think that TCU's got to win all their games to get into the playoff? I do, and, and here's why. Because I think Georgia winds up winning out. And I think Georgia wins out, and I think that uh, Ohio State or Michigan, one of those two teams, w- will win out. And then even the loser has a shot to get in. And then you look at Tennessee, who would, who, 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 as a one-loss team, I think they're going to definitely take Tennessee over TCU. So I think if TCU loses – I definitely think think they're they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I think they should because you look at the Big Twelve. I know there's not a ton of top twenty five teams, but you can argue there's a lot of teams that are probably in that like twenty six to thirty five range. And you look at the Big Ten outside of Penn State, the rest of the Big Ten stinks. Yeah, the I, Big agree. T- I agree. The- I agree. This is one. Of, this the Big Ten is not that good this year. No, the Big Ten needs to get rid of divisions and fast. Oh, it's I know, killing yeah. their conference. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, you know, they there's not too many quality wins. Where TCU, yeah, they may not have a ton, but you know, they're they're again the parity in the Big Twelve because you don't have Kansas in the doormat anymore, or at least for this year. So, like, I feel like TCU, you know, should get a little bit more respect. But I agree, if they lose, they're out. So say it's between TCU and Michigan for that fourth spot. Say that. uh Michigan lose to Ohio State. TCU does lose a game, so so Tennessee would be in as the third team. And then if it if it came down to TCU and Michigan, you would take uh, you take TCU. Yeah, I would. I know the committee's gonna take Michigan, but I would take TCU. The one thing about Michigan too is, I friend I mentioned we we're talking about Michigan State not current schedule. They canceled a series with UCLA this year and next year to schedule Hawaii. That's so they awful. should be penalized. That's terrible. That's terrible. That's yeah. terrible. They should be penalized for that. Yeah, they they terrible. really should because that's ridiculous. They yeah, they they you know and usually they took it because they're looking for a you know they they wanted to buy out Adidas so they they took the two million dollar mission game for that. So yeah, I, I thought you know that that's one thing that should be looked at, but I know it won't. And I I do you know think TCU should be over Michigan because uh, the one really quality one Michigan has is is Penn State. Penn State, yeah. At home. Like Ohio yeah. State at least beat Penn State on the road and they beat Notre Dame. So they're the team that could maybe afford to lose that game mm-hmm. and, and, and still get in. Because they still you know, or they would still have a good chance of getting in. If Michigan loses, they shouldn't have a good chance of getting in because yeah, their best win was Penn State at home. Yeah. I think T or Michigan's strength to schedule is eighty two and I think TC uses ten to fifteen range. It's it's wow. so yeah, somewhere around there. Or maybe TCU's a little bit farther back than that, you know, but um but yeah, Michigan's the ranked AV two again should really tell you that that they really haven't beat yeah they haven't beat anybody outside of Penn State and yeah Ohio State Notre Dame has played better, um but yeah they did go on the road they did schedule Notre Dame and they got a win there so yeah you know I wouldn't be shocked if they put a number next to whoever wins the Big Ten West in the final week I wouldn't be shocked that's twenty fifth and it kind of gives the Big Ten another top twenty five win. So they might get one more depending on who wins that game. But, yeah, I agree. Ohio State with that one loss, as long as it's close to Michigan, should probably still be able to sneak in over the four. But, yeah, I, I again, I'd go TCU over Michigan. So next question is, uh, do you see a path for LSU or USC getting to the college football playoff? 
I think USC could. Um, you know, they went out. Both you know, obviously got to win out. Yeah, oh yeah. Both got to win out. Um, you know, maybe if Tennessee, I don't think Tennessee's losing to South Carolina or Vandy. Um, but maybe if they're kind of close games and it's and Tennessee gives up like 40 points on both of those. I don't see, I guess, you know, you know, LSU, I could still sneak see sneaking in as a four. But um, yeah, I think Georgia runs the table if Ohio State wins. So Georgia, Ohio State, if TCU loses, they're gonna get knocked out. Michigan losing. Um, you know, maybe they could potentially knock Michigan down, but I think it'd be difficult. Um uh, so I, I think you know if TCU loses like maybe this week and then even the Big 12 or yeah, Big 12, you know, conference change game, they have two losses. You know, so I guess they can get in even if Tennessee doesn't look great. If, but they, I think they need help. Um, you know, they're maybe they're right there with Michigan, but USC's got Notre Dame two coming up, so that's another kind of nice win next week for um USC, and they'll have the Pac-12 championship game too, which that would be another top twenty-five team because USC hasn't played anybody right now in the top twenty. Well, besides the Utah game, but they lost that one, so they haven't they haven't played anybody top twenty-five yet or or gotten a win so far. Oh wow, USC! Yeah, yeah. This 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 will be yeah. The, the next couple of weeks are very crucial for USC because they play UCLA, they play Notre Dame, and then probably Oregon or Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's a big couple of weeks for um, USC and yeah, the, again, they could have three straight games here where they do knock off a top 25 team. That could be enough maybe to get in the three or four spot, but their defense has to play a lot better than it has though. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll get to the games this week. We'll start with the battle in Texas between TCU and Baylor. I think this is a close competitive game, but I'm taking Max Duggan over Blake Shapin. I think that Quentin Johnson has a good game too. And that's why I got TCU staying undefeated and beating Baylor 27-20. But, Justin, can Baylor hand TCU their first loss? I think they do. Wow. I'm going to go Baylor, 27-23. Again, TCU's offense wasn't great. Their defense really stepped up, but Quinn Ewers did not look good. I don't know if he's totally healthy yet. I don't know if there's been question this week if he's been battling and it, you know, handed something in his hand. Um. But I think Baylor, the way they're able to run the football, I think they play better. I think Blake Shapen plays a lot better than they did last week against Kansas State. I think David Randa's team comes out. I, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they're looking ahead. But Baylor's the preseason favorite, you know, in the Big 12 this year. So, you know, they, they got something to prove here. It's a rivalry game. I think Baylor would love to knock off TCU and um, kind of put their hopes of getting to a playoff in jeopardy. I, I think Baylor finds a way. I think TCU this week, you know, um, fall short of uh, getting going for an undefeated season. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really close game, but I do think TCU pulls it out. We got a game that we thought was going to be good before the season started as Georgia faces Kentucky. We thought this game might determine the, the SEC East, but that's definitely not the case because Kentucky is really underachieved. Well, Levis has not had the year we thought he was going to have. And I think in this game, I think Georgia wins this one big. I think they stop Chris Rodriguez, force Will Levis to turn the ball over a couple of times. I think they run the ball all over Kentucky's defense. And that's why I got Georgia winning this one 38 to 10. Yeah, I got Georgia as well, 35 to 14. I don't know if Will Levis is totally healthy either right now. That old line, he's, you know, they're giving up four sacks a game. Um, their defense has played really well this year, but I think a couple of turnovers this game is going to, you know, put the defense in a bad spot. Yeah, I think Rodriguez is probably going to have a rough day. Um, I think Georgia's. That secondary is going to play well. 
Um, I think Kentucky's have a hard time moving the football. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Georgia winning this game by a couple scores. But yeah, I again before the year, this was a very exciting game, but you know, and definitely was definitely was one where yeah, we could you know definitely see the winner of this game win the SEs. But yeah, Kentucky's really underachieved this year. Another game we thought was going to be exciting before the season, mm. Miami and Clemson. But again, it's because the quarterbacks just haven't – two CT quarterbacks mm. haven't been as good as we thought they were going to be. And uh, we got Miami and Clemson. I think this game is a blowout. I think DJ has a good game. I think they Clemson's able to run the ball uh, well. I think that Clemson's defense forces Miami to turn them all over a couple of times. That's why I got Clemson winning by three scores, winning 31-10. Yeah, I got uh, Clemson thirty or forty-one to sixteen. I don't know if Van Dyke's gonna play. He's been battling shoulder injury, so he may be out. Chris Ball's been a train wreck. Um, I, I really like the way Clemson bounced back last week. I thought DJ Uilangdalai played really well. I think Will Shipley runs the ball well against this Miami team. Um, Miami just yeah. Again, I've said it a bunch. I don't like Chris Ball. He's not a very good exit. I know his coach. He's a heck of a recruiter he's going to recruit really well down there um but he'll never bring him a national championship you know it's big games usually you know we saw last year i just i think this could be something where we saw you know you talking to oregon last year where they just manhandled them up front i think what clemson could t- definitely do that especially that defensive line of clemson i i and, and um you know I, I think clemson up front's gonna do whatever whoever plays quarterback for miami yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Clemson's got a big game up front. We got an SEC matchup in Columbia as Tennessee faces South Carolina. I think this is another blowout. Spencer Rattler. Remember all the hype he got going into high school? They should have mm-hmm. known watching that documentary when he like when he quit yeah. his high school team that this guy is not the guy, and he's definitely proven not to be the guy. And I think this is going to be a complete blowout. I think that Hyatt and uh, Hennon Hooker have big games. I think Rattler turns the ball over a couple times. And that's why I got Tennessee going to 10-1, and one, winning this game 41-13. to 13. Yeah, I got Tennessee win this one big, fifty-two to thirteen. Yeah, and I don't mind a yeah, and that show. I don't mind a little cockiness, but man, he he used to just taunt his back a quarterback. He, oh. He's I would hate to play with that guy. I'd hate it. All the I, talent I in the world, it. all the yeah. talent in the world, but he just doesn't have it up here. Just doesn't nope. have it up here. And it's rare because usually the quarterbacks are the smartest ones on the field. You know, yep, you, yep. usually, but yeah, he's the different. One. He yeah, he, that's not the case with Spencer Rattler. Uh, yeah, he's again. That pocket, that pocket collapse on him. He's a he's a train wreck. He'll throw that ball whatever which way. Um, I, I think Hayden Hooker plays really well in this game. I think they run, Florida just put up thirty eight on last week. They ran the ball all over South Carolina. Um, I think Tennessee could do the same thing. South Carolina somehow has to limit the explosive plays. I just don't think they're going to be able to do that this week. Yeah, no, no, not at all, not at all. We got UAB heading to LSU. I think this is a game where LSU contains the run game. I think another game where Jaden Daniels plays well. And I got LSU cruising in this game, winning it 31 to 13. Yeah, I got LSU winning this one 27 to 17. UAB's top 30 in both offense and defense, total offense and defense. Um, you know, LSU again didn't look great, and KJ Jefferson didn't play last week. The defense played really well. Um, you know, UAP's 0-4 on the road, but they've kept it close in, you know, um, all four games. They've only lost by seven points or less. Um, Dwayne McBride, the UAB running backs, he's gone over 100 yards every game this year. They're one of the best running teams in college football, but I think it's LSU. They're going to have a little bit of trouble up front trying to do that. I think UAB keeps this thing close, but a Saturday night, Death Valley is just a very intimidating place to play. I think LSU finds a way to get a win. I think Maybe sleepwalk in the first half, but I think they 
able to pull away in the second. We got the big one at the Rose Bowl on Saturday night as number seven USC faces number 16 UCLA. And I think this one's going to be a great one to watch. I think Caleb Williams is going to have a huge game. I think Dorian Thompson Robinson's going to have a huge game. Sher Burnett's going to have a huge game. I think it's going to come right down to the end, but I think USC and Caleb Williams makes that big drive to send them to Vegas for the big for the Pac 12 championship game. And that's why I got USC beating UCLA 41 to 13. But 41-38, but can UCLA ruin USC season? Yes, because it's the Pac-12, and absolute chaos always happens. So I got the Bruins 38-34. to Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, the Pac-12 always cannibalizes itself. I should have known last week with Oregon and Washington that same thing was going to happen. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think the big thing for UCLA this week is how do they defend Caleb Williams' You know, when he's on the run, they didn't really do a good job last week in Jaden Delorio of uh, Arizona, you know, and Arizona in the, the two losses or, you know, no, I mean, in the loss last week, Arizona really limited, you know, UCLA's um, explosive plays. They kind of, you know, um, you know, they, they didn't get a ton of those big plays that they, that's kind of what they count on. That's kind of what Chip Kelly offense wants to do. They didn't really do that in LSU or UCLA as well. On third and fourth down, they're one of the worst teams in the car. I think on fourth down, they're giving up the conversion 72% of the time. And I think on third down, it's right around 50%. Like, they have to get off the field if they want to win this game against USC. Um, but I think Tonsa Robinson plays well enough. I think Zach Kevinett plays, you know, runs the ball well enough against USC. I think UCLA at home, they find a way to win it. It's weird. The the rules, you know, UCLA announced that, you know, it's sold out at 70,000 people, but that's that, but they sit to 91,000. So I don't understand what, Yeah, why you know, would your capacity be 70? Why would you lower the capacity to say it's a seller? I have no idea. So yeah, we'll find, we'll find out. Saturday night. But they sold all their over, uh, I think their student section sits over, um, 16, what is it? Yeah. 1600 or 16,000. And they sold that out as well. So you know, should be a great crowd at the Rose Bowl Saturday, but yeah, um, I'll, I'll take UCLA to find a way to create ultimate chaos. Yeah, and this will be the game where the UCLA fans finally show up. They finally show yes. up because they probably didn't show up last week against Arizona. No, it wasn't that for a team that's still fighting for a playoff spot. It was not that it was not um as full as you would expect. No, probably not. Probably not. So we got another big game in the Pac-12, even though we thought this game would be bigger than it was, as we got Utah facing Oregon. And I think this is another close competitive game in Eugene. I think Bo Nix plays well. I think Tavion Thomas runs the ball well. I, but I'm going to go with the team with the better quarterback, and I'm going to go with Bo Nix over Cam Rising. And Oregon's going to get – I think Oregon's going to get revenge on what, what Utah did to them last year. And I got Oregon beating Utah 27-24. But can Utah continue to have Oregon's number? I don't think they do at the zoo. It's it's tough to Oregon just lost there last week. It's tough to you know, Oregon usually does not lose two straight home games. I got Oregon 34 to 31. Now Bonix had dinged up towards the end of that game. I sounds he was not on the injury report this week, so I assume he's good to go, but something to watch out for that could help Utah. But Utah's been a totally different team um away from home. You know, they they've not looked great. They boomed pretty much everybody out at home besides that USC game, but um, they, they've really struggled on the road. I don't think they've won by more more than one possession besides um Arizona state this year. I think the only game that they've won by more two scores on the road, but it's not the normal Utah team where up front they're as physical, where that 
just absolutely destroyed the Ducks last year. Um, I, I think they, they got to be able to uh, – Rising should have some success through the air because Oregon's just not great in that category. But I think Oregon's going to slow down the running game. I think that'll be enough. And I think the Ducks find a way, you know, at home. I think Bo Nix bounces back and, you know, and they, they win this game uh, 31-27 and set up which could be a top 25 matchup for the, for the, uh, for the, what I actually, actually, it's not called the civil war anymore, but now it's, you know, with Oregon state next week could be a top 25 matchup for the first time. And I don't know how long. Yeah. It's going to be really, really interesting. And both those teams are in the top 25, but yeah, big week in the pac 12. These two winners definitely can determine who goes to Vegas. I bet you USC wins, they go to Vegas, but these two winners definitely can determine who goes to Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it, it, they definitely will. Cause yeah, it could be a playing game if they don't slip up. Utah probably won't play in Colorado if they win this one. They should probably they you know they they should beat Colorado next week. But yeah, Oregon still gonna have a tough one, especially going up to Corvallis. So yeah, absolutely. You know, could be a playing game for these two. But you know, obviously they got one more next week. But um, yeah, th- this definitely a big one here to determine who gets um, one of those spots in the championship game in a couple weeks. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll wrap up the show talking about the Champions Classic from last night, and we will start with the first game between Kentucky and Michigan State. Really good game between the two teams. Michigan State wins the game in double overtime. And we'll talk first talk about Kentucky, though, and here's the big question. Can Oscar Shibway carry the Wildcats to their first Final Four appearance since the 2015 season? I think he can, but the problem is, you know, and let's say you're Anthony Davis or that type of guy, and I know Davis had other guys around him, it's the guard play that, that wins you march. And, you know, Sheboy is such a beast that he could do it. Um, but I think they're going to be a bit better shooting the, the basketball this year from deep. That that really hurt them last year. You know, they brought in C.J. Frederick from Iowa, Antonio Rivas from Illinois State, who's, a, you know, they're both, you know, right around 40% three-point shooters, which is going to help. Um, and then Carson Wallace – their top rated signing last year. He played really well and he had eight steals last night. So I think together they can. I just don't trust Calipari at all. Um, he's a train wreck in the, in, in the tournament usually. So for the last couple of years he has. So um, I think they have the scoring, but you know, they didn't shoot it great last night, but I think that will improve upon the next, you know, you know, by March. But um, you know, I got to see walls more, and and Frederick more a little bit more before I kind of say that those are two guards that could lead them to the Final Four. What about Michigan State? We've seen they've had two games against Gonzaga and they've played uh they played played Kentucky. What are your expectations for Tom Izzo's squad this year? Yeah, for Izzo's team, they've looked a lot better than I thought. They brought up back a lot of guys from last year. He didn't really go with the portal route this year. Um, he's got the number three class coming in next year. He's got you know, next year is going to be where you're going to really Michigan State's going to be kind of back where they belong. Right now, I've been really impressed with the way they played. Again, they're not conversations. They got Nova coming up. Then they go to, you know, the uh, PK 85 where, you know, they may, we may, uh, UConn may see them coming up. Yeah, they play Nordane on the road. Um, so, they, again, he's scheduled really well. His team's going to be challenged going to Big Ten play. They're going to be ready. But it's the same thing too. That guard, that last couple of years, it's been that point guard spot. Tyson Walker is a more of a kind of score first guy, but AJ um, Hogard, I thought, was really good sharing the basketball. Maybe he's going to be that point guard, but I haven't really seen it the last couple of years. But last night, maybe, um, maybe he's going to be that guy that could kind of lead him. But 
I was I've been very impressed with Michigan State, and if I had very early, but right now I put them right now in the top ten. And I, I you know I, I think that's a team that could get to a second weekend. We go to the second game in Kansas beat Duke last night, 69-64. What can John Shire take the Blue Devils back to the final four? They can. I love the length that they have when they get Whitehead back as well. He's recovering from foot surgery still. You know, he Whitehead's six six, so they're gonna have you know him, Phil Kowski's at seven foot, lively six ten, and you know, th- those three with the length. And I and again, I, I'm I know I'm one of the few people that criticize K, but the last couple years under K, their defense was atrocious. They they played zero defense the last couple of years. I actually Shire got them to buy in on defensive end of the floor. You know, they, they were really great in that area. They they have been through the first couple of games, so um, that's something too. But for them, you know, who's gonna be that guard that's gonna knock down Shire? Because Whitehead is a decent three point shooter. You know, he's he's not acceptable in one thing, but he's very good at you know. Um, but he can do every a little bit of everything. You know, you know. I think Fukowski is supposed to be that guy, but you know, at seven feet, he was he hasn't been great so far. Um, Roach wasn't great from three last week, but it's, it's leadership with Duke. It's, you know, as I meant, it's, it's guards and, and, and seniors. Duke doesn't really have that, but they have the talent to, um, to, to get there. So I wouldn't be shocked, but I have to see more from Shire too, as an in-game coach before, but I am never taking a first year head coach to ever win a national championship. I learned my lesson after Arizona last year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet you did. I bet you did. And for uh, for Kansas, can they repeat as national champions? Yeah, I think um, they're de- I love their defense. You know, McCuller bringing in Kevin McCuller. Um, you know, coming in from Texas Tech, just another. I love their wings. Like they just, you know, Jalen Wilson, probably going to be one is one of the best players in the country. You know, he's probably going to win. You know, could win Big Twelve Player of the Year. Them and Baylor, or that them and Baylor. You know, because Baylor's got the best backcourt in the country. Those two meetings were, are going to be really fun. Um, you know, Grady Dick, who I was very impressed with last night, he kind of, I think he's going to kind of fit at that Christian Brown role from last year. You know, he really came on at the end of last year. Um, they have a ton of length. They had 13 block shots last year. Their defense was phenomenal. They just got in the passing lanes. Um, they made it really difficult for Duke to really do much of anything offensively. Um, you know, for them too, it's going to be, you know, where's the offense going to come from night in and night out. And then, you know, and then um, Harris too at the point guard spot. He's he's really good. He may not be a great scorer, but you know, assist wise, he, he's great in that area. So I think Kansas definitely has a very good shot to get back there. Just you know, how are they gonna? You know, where's the scoring gonna come from? Because that's one. That's the one thing about Jalen Wilson is that three point shooting. You know, can that can that be a part of his game? You know, to take him that next level. That's the one thing he's really missing. Yeah, well, so we'll see what happens with with these teams going forward. I think I bet they're all going to be top ten teams uh, this year. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R and J for Justin Anafrio. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking about Week Twelve of the NFL season, the huge game in Columbus, and some World Cup soccer. Have a great weekend, everybody. Jones on first down, wide open. It's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is of his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to me. Taps it in off the glass. How about that? 
Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. My name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.